Welcome back to Voices on the Mountain. This week we're doing part two of our series on alcohol. Stay with us. So making our way back from from our hard alcohol tangent. That's right. Almost like we were drunk on some hard alcohol. <laughs> uh, let's do the, uh, the the beers, the brewskis. The brewskis. Ever more popular on the mainland. We got all these microbreweries popping up. Fun. right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. In Colorado, obviously, tons of that too. No. You bet. So the brewskis are damper. So they're the dampest. If we said um, the hard liquors were the hottest, these ones are the dampest. And you can see it, right? You can see Beer the bellies. What's that? Beer belly. <laughs> it's true too. Yeah, exactly. They get they get a very localized uh, growing of a damp ball. <laughs> yeah, or a, of a of a phlegm baby or a damp baby. Yeah, it's true. That is yeah. exactly right. Um, and so, yep, this is a good case of, uh, where you can even see it's cloudy and so forth. Um, it's, that's the damper ones. And here's an interesting point too, for those of you out there who enjoy the flavor of alcohols, but don't want these, um, effects, you clearly obviously could go to non-alcoholic, um, options, which have gotten so much better by the way. So that's what I would indulge in if, you know, if, if I'm going to pick something, I mean, I probably drink alcohol maybe like once a year. I don't, I don't really care anymore. So that's roughly about once a year, but I, it might be longer than that. It's mostly just because I feel, you know, like when you get pressured to drink like a million times, the millionth and one time, sometimes you're like, okay, I'll take a, I'll take a wee flute of something. Um, but it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't do much for me. So it's, it wasn't hard to give up, but non-alcoholics, no problem. You know, I'm, I'm happy to drink those or whatever. But here's a good point, though. If you are drinking a non-alcoholic beer and you have um, dampness issues and they start getting worse, you know what, what part of the problem is. So even though it's non-alcoholic, it still has dampness. And that's fine. You know, As long as you are moving the fluids, fine, you're probably fine. But if you're starting to get a thicker tongue coat or some damp symptoms in any of your burners, upper, middle, or lower... Um, just don't forget that even non-alcoholics have damp. They just don't have the heat because they're not alcoholic. Is there... So this one makes a lot of sense for me because the brews are made with a lot of grains. Yep. Or hops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the grains themselves would be would be dampness. Correct. And then backtracking to the hard alcohols, the, a lot of those are root crops. I guess not all of them are root crops. Oh, like potatoes? Yeah, I was thinking that. Corn? Um, like cassava. I mean, basically, you can take any root crop and make moonshine out of it. It's basically yeah, what yeah. I was thinking, I think. And just more <laughs> distilled, right? Ah, uh, like yeah. So, okay. like, the more kind of what we would call the essence of it. Like, it's literally the jing of the alcoholic thing. You're ah. taking more and more jing, and what's left over is just hard alcohol. Too bad this doesn't nourish your jing. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> alcohol is great for your kidneys. Nah. Yeah, no, not so much. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's usually the degree of processing there. I got it. Okay. Um, and then, so then, yeah, for beer, it's that that's kind of the big thing. Lighter beers. You bring up an interesting point, though, as far as hops go as and also as grains go. So grains are sweet. Um, if, you, if none of you guys have ever experienced this, there's Two cool ways you can do it. Uh, one is fasting and one is crackers. I think most people would probably <laughs> crackers. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but if you fast for two days, like just do a water fast for two days, if you're comfortable and right, we're not giving you medical advice here, check out your acupuncturist or somewhere else to make sure. But most people can handle a fast for two days. Obviously, um, you know, pay attention if you've got hypoglycemia or something like that. But if you fast for two days and then you eat a bowl of rice, you will taste sugar. Like it tastes sweeter. Like you, it is okay. It's not like sugar, like cornflakes with a bunch of sugar topped on top, but it's like, you're like, wow, they weren't lying. This is sweet. Like grains really are sweet. Uh, yeah. It's just, most of us can't tell because our tongue is like jacked up on sugar all the time. And so things don't taste sweet anymore. It's so nuts. I mean, Going to in the store and trying to find something that doesn't have like added sugar and whatever that's processed or packaged, right? So yeah, stay away from all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I just got back from New Zealand and 
one of the first things we did was went to the supermarket and I, it was like their really cheap supermarket. It's called Pack and Save. And I was just in love because <laughs> it was like real food. Like, I mean, they still have like the, the lot of branding for a little bit of it, but for the most part, it's like their dairy is just like great dairy. Their other food was just, it didn't, there was no high fructose corn syrup in anything. Oh, oh. No added sugar in anything. It was, it was nuts. Um, and very, and then there was also very wholesome marketing where they were just like, we have good ingredients. This is who we are. This is boring oat milk. And it was like the most popular brand of oat milk <laughs> that there was. Just say oat. Just oat. That's funny, dude. You're right. Probably They probably don't have an excess of corn like we do. Hence high fructose corn syrup. And they're not jacked up on it. I mean, they don't subsidize corn. I mean, that's the whole reason we do it. It's because yeah. we have to make use of this <laughs> shit that we already paid for do they have high lactose sheep milk instead <laughs> they have they actually have lactose free milk where they put in lactase yeah enough that it's yeah yeah i was like oh that's why don't we do this what yeah. a great thing for but even just like their dairy just is different uh yeah. i don't know if it's because they don't give them the growth hormones that we give our cattle or if it's what they're feeding them or you know, where, where it is in the, in the production but yeah. it's um it was a different beast and you know, people that uh, that will re- remain nameless who can't drink milk out here or uh-huh. can't drink milk in the States because otherwise they'll like have to urgently use the restroom. Yeah. Can drink milk over there nice. and do all the dairy they want. I was just like, oh. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, good call. I bet you it's grass fed, man. That is a game changer for dairy. Yeah. I mean, our in Hawaii, our dairy is grass fed because... Uh, we can't grow grains out here and it's so expensive to to ship hay or anything. Interesting. But yeah. And maybe why like people generally do better on the goat stuff because goats are more likely to be fed. Um, not, not crap. Interesting. Yeah. But they'll eat anything, but then people feed them the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, depending on who, who's making you your goat cheese, but if it's yeah. like, a, I mean, like if it's like a home, person that's doing their goat cheese yeah it's like they're not paying extra money for that they're just like go go eat the forest (laughs) (laughs) you'll and make me cheese (laughs) (laughs) totally i love it dude i love it and so talking about that sweetness factor too so grains are sweet yeah they're yeah they don't taste exactly like sugar but they're way sweeter than we give them and so chinese medicine is i you know identified them as sweet for as long as we've known chinese medicine well, here is a mind-blowing idea. We know that sweet is the spleen and stomach flavor. Everybody knows that. Everyone who goes through first year of college knows that. Uh, first year of acupuncture, TCM stuff knows that. But they don't tell you it nourishes what. So if that was true, then just eat more sugar, get strong spleen. And we know that doesn't work. You eat more grains, get strong spleen. No. If you, you, you go, go to China. They eat like more rice than I've seen any country in the world eat, and they're seventy percent spleen deficient. So grains don't fortify your spleen's function; they fortify your spleen's liquid or yin. And this is a game-changing idea. Is all right. Well, once we get all that, what what is too much liquid that's not having enough movement? It's dampness. So people that can move that stuff, sure, they can have a beer at night or something, non-alcoholic, ideally, uh, but. People who can't move that now, any excess production of fluids gets stuck in the stomach. So no bueno. No bueno. And then the wines. Wines. So in general, the white wines are kind of just like lighter. So they're not quite as hot, uh, not quite as damp, um, but they don't seem to have as much of the moving function. The red wines are the ones we isolate more as having the, the moving blood moving additional function. So that's the one where um, if you wanted to call any of these three alcohols medicine, say for like uh, a menstruation time, that, you know, right before, like right when a, a lady's about to get her period, that's the time where I would probably call red wine medicinal um, and really medicinal. Because it's a blood mover. Because it's a blood mover. That's right. Yeah. And so red wine. And here's a, here's a fun trick. If you guys have access to Honghua. Um, which is safflower, not saffron, but safflower. It's the, the little red guy. Um, these little like red spiky dudes, um, soft. So and just take like a couple tablespoons of Honghua 
put it in a jar and then put like some hard alcohol. The classic would be like a brandy or something. Um, and then just bring up the brandy until it just covers the herb, let it sit for a couple weeks. And then next time menstruation rolls around, take a tablespoon of that, you know, use like a filter. Otherwise you'll have a bunch of floaty bits in there um, and toss it in some red wine or some hot ginger cinnamon tea or something. It's a great combo for just a, a regular thing to do for your period. Nice. Is that the same herb that's in our dit Yes, the floaty red guy in the dit That's exactly right. The trauma one, not the tendon one. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Because you, you identify it with that floaty guy, right? Yeah. I mean, the smell too is just so different. I just kind of know the color, all the things. But yeah, yeah, that one's in that one. I'm trying to figure out, we have a a flower out here that's pretty similar. I'm like, if it looks the same, does it do the same thing? Fun. Do you try do you try a teapot full and see what happens? <laughs> no, I'm waiting for you to come out and visit. And then I want to be like, Steven. Let's shun on this. Let's eat a little bit and just taste what happens. Yeah. So the red wine is a blood mover. It's a little bit more hot. Yep. Too. Yep. Okay. Uh, it's a little warm. Not as hot as the fire water. That's right. Right. Okay. But warm. Warm. And then does this track back to it being made from a grape at all? Or Yeah, I think it's connection to, um, right? Grapes, red, affect blood more, uh, red, purple, whatever. Um, and so then we would say they tend to have more blood-moving quality. They So basically any red foods affect the heart. And when it comes to color, generally we're talking about strengthening or tonifying. So when you want to talk about strengthening or tonifying if we go back to spleen the color of the spleen is yellow so yellow foods actually strengthen the spleen it's yang function because color is yang uh, but the flavor which is a yin nature nourishes the yin of that organ we'll get to that in a, dip, in a five in a five flavor episode no but that was great just a little hit me up so the flavor is for yin and the color is for yang correct and so the flavor generates the yin, which is like fluid for that organ, and the color strengthens its yang function. And therefore, red foods like red grapes and stuff generally help the heart move its blood better. Yeah. But then the pungent spicy acrid things like guajir, and guajir doesn't actually do this, but like dangue is a good example. It nourishes blood very well. Okay. That is awesome to know. So is this why goji berry then helps the would help like yin of the heart as well as that's your spleen because it's sweet and then in color red? That's a good point. So because it's sweet, um, it should generate fluids and in specifically in the spleen. It is a little sour too, generates fluids in the liver. But because of its red color, we would say it helps move and circulate them. So not generate blood, but move and circulate stuff through the heart vessels. Which makes it such an amazing herb. It's a great herb. It's a great herb. Awesome. So those were the three alcohols. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about the the backbone of the fermentation process and? Oh yeah. What we think about that? Go to the Su Wen quote. Nice. Let's do that. Let's go to that Su Wen quote. So um, there's you can pull this up from a lot of different quotes from the Neijing, but we'll pull up one from uh, the Su Wen. It's from chapter fourteen, um, at least by Chinese count. I think it's the same, and it's uh, the Tang uh, Ye Lao Li chapter. And so this one starts off with the, uh, um, so it's a whole chapter based on fluids. Ye means fluids. Tang is like decoction, and te- it technically is the ancient word for soup, it's true, but decoction. And then Lao Li is uh, a word for alcohol. So here, um, the Yellow Emperor, he says, All right, so uh, what's called the five, I'll, I'll read it in English, uh, what's called the five um, grains? fluids and alcohol or this laoli he's saying what is this uh, so then chibo responds and he says um like these have to be grains or what he calls um, and then this very interesting word chui talks about how they basically cook um the grains now it's true you can cook grains if you want to make things like mash or whatever i'm not exactly sure i've never made beer but i know roughly of the process but here, what we're really interested in is the fermentation process. And this word chui really describes that. It's actually the fire radical with the drinking radical on the other side. So fire next to drink, fire water, if you will. And the key here is fermentation for us is basically like cooking. 
um, whether or not it started with a cook, it doesn't matter. So kimchi would be a good, another good example. You don't cook your kimchi before you make it. It's cooked through the fermentation process. And this is why it's, it continues on and then says, um, dalmi jowan, which means the, there's like completeness or it's finished. Um, and some people would translate this as it's got like tons of function, but actually I would say the other way, I would say this one is really talking about that it's completed its fermentation process. And now here we have something that can affect us immediately. So this kind of gets to the point where, um, we're talking about some people will be like, well, how come alcohol hits me so fast? Right? Maybe I eat a banana and I get some energy, but not like in seconds. And yet alcohol, you drink it and it goes right to your head. Same idea. And so this is because it's basically gone through the uh, fermentation or digestive process already. So you put it in, it's immediately absorbed. Yeah. I also just think it's interesting, the parallels between that description and then also our like character for chi. Mm. It just like it starts with the grain and then you have the fire or a fermentation. And it's like, this is how uh, sometimes I just think about chi is like this uh, kind of gauge of change that's happening in the body. I love that gauge of change man you have such interesting phrasing i love it um so then the quote continues and it says um so like this one can describe it as basically again it's like processed it's cooked and therefore it's strong or you could say so strong would be a good translation of jian um i would not describe this as strengthening or fortifying we all know that alcohol does not do that um but it does it is powerful and strong in its own right then the quote continues and he says, um, so how does this happen? I'm paraphrasing slightly. Um, if you want the classic, it says, he yi ran. Um, and then Qi Bo says, uh, this is the tian di zhi he. This is a really beautiful one. And I really like how Asher thinks about this one too. But he literally says, it's because it receives the harmonization or harmony of heaven and earth. Gao xia zhi yi like the benefit of both high and low, gu neng zhi wan, and therefore it can kind of achieve this complete fermentation or finished process. So if I was thinking about this on my own, I'd be like, okay, the earth part makes sense because we just took like a, a grain that came from the earth. Yes. And then, so then the where's the heaven coming in? Is it coming in with the fermentation? Is it the fire? Yeah, How do you think? yeah, exactly. So it's the fermentation, it's the fire, it's like that cooking process with or without an actual fire, but with, you know, the fermentation, um, it heats up, right? So when there's activity generating all that bacterial growth and all that stuff in the liquid that's processing and turning it from um, sugar to alcohol, it literally heats up, like it'll, it'll heat up the, the bowl. That's just like the, um, the process we know of as like intangible heat and fire, like chi, right? In, right. Interestingly, too, a lot of um, stuff just relies on, uh, like sourdough starter is a good example. It just relies on what's in the air, right? So kind of that beneficial stuff that's in the air to combine with what's in the water or, you know, the earth, the grain, whatever. So this combination of both. And then, then we know it works if it produces this kind of complete product at the end, this finished pre-digested grain. Awesome. And the parallels again with like, our own digestion that happens inside of us is the combination of heaven and earth. And then we, hopefully you get Jing, like it's we a, just talked about alcohol yep. being Jing too. Um, it's very much just that whole, what what's outside the universe is also happening in our body. So, so true. So true. And that idea of like, basically it goes through this process and then, you know, in this case of alcohol, we just take off the tippy toppy Jing. We drink that. Or in the case of our digestion, we just take out that tippy-toppy extra goodness, the jing, um, and then we're fortified by that, which then means all the rest of the stuff, or I believe that maybe is called mash, but the leftover grainy stuff yeah. is basically like the beer poopoo, right? It's like it's got to clear out the, that's the stuff. In fact, we have a word for it called zalpa, um, but it's like the leftover like mixed grainy stuff. Okay. Is that what zalpa yeah. uh, translates to? It's, it's not it's, beer poopoo? No, okay. no, that would be the stuff that's coming out of the human. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the idea that like, ah, we don't need all that stuff, um, right? Spread it on the field, maybe use this fertilizer, but we don't need it. And then just take what you take the good stuff that came out of it. 
Yeah, well, it served its purpose, and back to the earth it will go. Yeah, totally. So kind of this good idea of like um, how we view alcohol as like, yeah, very strong in its effect and kind of a distillation of the grains that it comes from, literally, metaphorically. Literally now means figuratively too. So you're kind of, you're covered if you just say literally. <laughs> totally. Um, we might want to touch on frequency too, because we just briefly mentioned that too. Like people are like, oh, well, how often should I be drinking? I like to tell people, like, let's assume that they don't have the worst spleen in the world. They don't have the best, right? They don't have no damp, but they don't have tons of damp. Let's say maybe once a week would be a good idea. Try and keep it to once a week or less. Remember, there really isn't an idea where you're like, oh, I need to drink for this medicinal purpose. But if you can keep it to once a week or less, that'll really help. The daily consumption of alcohol is kind of a toughie on the body because then you're just never letting your body kind of come back to balance without it. Yeah, that's huge. And then, I mean, I'm sure it's going to mess up your your sleep cycle and you storing in then and yeah no 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 good all around totally totally and like asher said right we don't have to be monks about it but let's think about maybe like you know getting a little tipsy once a month yeah maybe 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 a little more but still once a month would be that's a nice one if you're getting drunk or, or having a drink 12 times a year any spleen should be able to handle that unless you're like mid long covid or something right um but yeah it also gives people a good idea too like well they're like just like asher said well I use the alcohol to deal with the stress of my day. Yeah, but exercise is actually more effective and doesn't have any side effects. So not to say that everybody has that energetic boost at the end, but what if you kind of planned your day that like, say, maybe if you're um, still going into an office, if on the way home you exercise, right? Like maybe your gym is between there or, um, you know, run at lunch or something, something like that. And I realize not everybody's going to come home from a long day and be like, all right, now I'm going to restart my engines and go back out and work out. Hopefully, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and even running that off in the morning can be helpful. Yeah. Either literally or figuratively, however you want to work out and get your exercise. And then if it is like an end of the day type thing, um, you know, you can kind of double up on uh, if you have a chore, you know, it's like, can you walk to the store to to get the groceries? Can you bike to the store? Like. Is there a way for you to incorporate movement more throughout your day so that it doesn't have to become a set aside time thing at the end where you're crunching and overlapping with other stuff? Like, um, and even then, take a walk after dinner. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Yeah. Um, but just it'll that'll help your digestion and your and your mental state. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. I mean, shoot, just like Asher said, you could even combine it like do horse dance when you wash the dishes or something. You know, a full <laughs> Shaolin monk on this thing. Uh, it's a little bit hard though with the way that the countertops work yeah like the shelving underneath the cabinets (laughs) right easier in china china is made for like five foot tall people because like the previous generation was i think a little malnourished or something i cannot (laughs) cut vegetables without being in some sort of horse or bow stance out there it's just like this will not work for a six foot person but your knees don't bang into the cabinets uh horse stance works better because it's side to side yeah got it okay 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 yeah, yeah. You know, bow stance. Also, it'd be hilarious to like chop in a bow stance. I feel like someone <laughs> would feel threatened. But <laughs> uh, I, I always try to get furniture out of the house because it gets more movement in uh-huh. every day. You get up and down off the ground. Mm. I just like the ground better. I hate being sitting. <laughs> I think it's terrible. Basically, I treat people for sitting all day. That's <laughs> what I do in clinic. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to go home and sit. <laughs> terrible. Um, so even the little things like that can help too. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Or like, yeah, exactly. Like if they're doing a lot of computer work, like standing desk, sitting desk, go between the two throughout the day. Um, I saw some people will have like these like um, mats where they kind of have like knobby things on some parts and not in others. Oh, yeah. So they could be like massaging their feet while they're working and stuff. Totally. Yeah. Do your taxes while you're stretching on the floor. I love that one because, I mean, shoes – are bad. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say that we can go more detail at some other time, but giving your, your foot uh, a variety of like what it gets to experience instead of it just being like flat, hard concrete all the time is so huge. Uh, yeah. So I, I definitely cut down as much as I can on that kind of time and, and adding uh, 
a mat like that. You can do that in the kitchen too when you're washing dishes. Another one. Heck um, yeah. Or cutting, cutting up food. Yeah. That kind of touches on the five fatigues that we mentioned before. Sitting harms the spleen. Check it out. How many office workers got damp, right? Right. And then Everyone. standing harms the bones. Overextended standing harms the bones. And it's interesting because the flat, just like Azure said, 100%. Like you're not getting any movement in the foot. But also the hardness of concrete. I have one patient, she um, she got a full hip replacement, but um, she was doing fine. And then she she walked on concrete for like a day or two. And so she was doing fine for months after. She, of course, went through a healing period. Then was like hiking mountains, doing crazy stuff, no problem. And then was walking on cement for like a day or two at like an amusement park. And since then, which was months ago, her hip just chronically gives her tons of pain. Um, after the treatment, she was doing really well. And then she was like walking around doing everything again, hiking even, um, it's a little bit smaller than she was, but she's building back up. And then she was walking through an airport again, hip pain came back and you're like, dude, like literally every time she's on a hard surface, pounding that hip into the socket, it's creating pain, you know, even if it's an artificial one. Yeah. It's no good too. I mean, if, and then with the way that the shoes designed and the way a lot of us walk, with heel striking yeah uh, you're not really absorbing anything the way you should and so instead of the knee being a spring and and absorbing some of that shock Mm. it's just sending everything straight through the hip um interesting just transferring the force yeah and if you have more of a forefoot strike um then you'll have one spring between the forefront to the heel yeah and then the knee's more bent so then the knee actually lands bent and then straightens back out more hmm. so so then that's two and then the re- the rest of it goes up to the hip love so it dude two kind of springs before you hit that hip that's right hit that yeah we should... <laughs> sweet yeah so drinking once a week gets smammered yeah once a month yeah. if you if you really feel like it yeah or maybe drink once a month for those of you really on the path or whatever whatever yeah i mean for me too, I was going to say it wasn't even in my thirties that drinking became unfun because I started to get like hangovers. Yeah. Like an hour after having my first drink. Yeah. So what is hangovers for us? Good point. Is it just dehydration? Is it, we move too much? That's such a good point. It's, um, it is part dehydration. That is part of it. Um, but it's actually mostly because it, we're tweaking our fluid, um, metabolism. So this is an interesting one. Who was it? Someone was drinking um, date and ginger tea. Oh, I know. Um, also an unknown source I will describe. But anyway, so uh, taught him how to make a ginger and red date tea from actual slices of ginger, actual red dates. Super easy. If you guys want the recipe yourself, it's basically try not to eat more than five red dates a day. Um, it's true. Red dates come in variable sizes. So if you're getting like the tank bullet red dates, probably just stick to one. Some of those things are huge. They're like the size of my forehead. Um, but <laughs> you also get the red dates that are like the, uh, like literally like a pupil of an eyeball. And you're like, okay, I think I can handle 10 or 15 of these bad boys. But the standard ones are like basically a twin long. <laughs> They're like, like a full finger digit long. Okay. Um, that's kind of the standard one. So think about like roughly five a day would be the goal there. And here's a super key point. Open those bad boys up. If you simmer those in any sort of liquid and you don't open them up, they'll just balloon up into these gross little balloons that don't um, get impl- you know, impart any of their goodness or flavor into the liquid. So they become gross because it's like a steamed date. Ugh. I mean, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So tear them open, cut them open, whatever you got to do. Um, open those five bad boys up. And then for each uh, five dates, I usually do one to two inches of sliced ginger. So just like one of those finger knobs that's come on, coming off, you can do roughly an inch of that, slice it up thin, and then simmer them up 20 minutes. So it's like no ginger at all then compared to the date. Yeah, maybe two inches of ginger. Yeah, so two inches. Yeah. But um, still, like that's... Yeah. yeah. You're, you're looking for ginger flavor, but nothing that's going to like burn on the way down kind of thing. Nothing spicy. Oh, man, I'm going overboard with ginger then. Yeah. But again, it depends on your constitution. So if you feel like you need to move fluids more than generate, do make it a little spicier. So okay. you, your body might be telling you what you want. Um, yeah. So anyway, so then we get uh, that bad boy. And then I like to make it in like a big pitcher. So maybe like triple that. 
So like 15 dates, you know, three to six inches of ginger, and then you just store it in the fridge. And the, we don't generally drink cold things, but here's a trick. If you do want to drink cold beverages, put ginger in it. That's a Chinese medicine trick. So that's why they say drink ginger in the summer. What they're telling you is we know you're going to drink cold stuff in the summer because it's hot, but put ginger in it and it won't stop it from circulating because that's why we don't like cold in the first place. And so what I usually do is we'll keep it in the fridge, pour. If you want a great morning beverage, just take a mug and fill it up about a third with that cold um, tea and then just pour in two-thirds boiling water. Instantly, you've got like a great temp, great tea. It's nice and toasty. It's perfect. Yeah. So is this a hangover cure or not a hangover cure? That is an all-the-time-can-drink um, fluid metabolizer mover. So it boosts and moves those fluids. And actually, this patient, um, she was drinking that regularly because she loved it so much. And then she went out and drank and didn't get a hangover. Like, same amount that her husband drank, um, same amount that she would normally get her you know, hangovered, uh, and didn't, which tells us that her spleen function was better. And her, her processing of the fluids, basically how her triple burner was moving, was much better. So when it comes to a hangover for us, that basically is dampness stuck in the middle burner. Mm. And so hence you think, okay, well, I'm going to have a stomach or what we call a yangming frontal headache, check. <laughs> I'm going to have some <laughs> nausea, double check. Uh, most food's going to taste and sound bad, triple check. Um, yeah. and probably maybe some loose stools and diarrhea on the other end. You got all, we got all the good stuff. So this is basically cold and damp in the middle burner, um, which is funny because you got hot, but the cold is really coming more from the damage of the middle burner. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So like on the other side of the stuckness, there's going to be a lack of movement. Correct. And cold vacuum. That's right. And so okay. there's a really great formula for most people's hangovers I wouldn't call this a universal hangover formula. There actually is even more classical ones too um, that are specifically dealing with hangovers and or trying to get off alcohol. They come from Li Dongyuan, the spleen boosting school guy, the earth boosting school. Mm. Um, but a classic easy to find formula that's all around everywhere called it's called Huoxiang Zheng Qi San. And that's a really good formula for hangovers because it deals with the frontal headache. It deals with stomach pain. It deals with um, nausea and it deals with loose stools so you can see symptomatically it really does fit quite well with almost all of them and it does it really helps people get over it a lot faster nice and but you know our favorite way of preventing or stopping a problem is preventing it in the first place so that might be a good idea so yeah. if you can drink once a month um that's even a better one but you know like and also the less like if you're drinking well and you're really strengthening your organs um, and again working on that fluid metabolism Sometimes you drink and you just don't have the hangover, which is great. Yeah. No, as, as you're healthier, you can you can handle more. Yeah. Also, LI-10. I even knew the name the number this time. Um, <laughs> LI-10 is just a phenomenal point for hangovers. Uh, something one. Five Wu, one Cl upper Shosan Li. <laughs> okay. Shosan Li, yeah. The, the <laughs> hand really... Well, Juan and Lee are synonymous, Stephen. I can use them interchangeably. Right. I, I got you. I knew where you were going. Yeah. Full, full, full points for showing your work. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Sweet. Any more thoughts on, on alcohol? I, th I, think that's, I think that's about it. Um, okay. Well, maybe we'll do one last one, which is for those people who haven't gotten around to the switching over to the exercise and still like, like the, the alcohol at the end of the day, See if it's not the ritual that you like. So I sometimes, I, you know, I've been playing with this to try and get some of them. Like I think if they made like a rich, like maybe a, a ginger, I didn't realize it's at the evening day, but you know, whatever. So not too spicy. So <laughs> we don't want to break our own rules here. So like maybe a ginger red date and then like, like a lot of hibiscus or something. It'll be a little bit thicker. The hibiscus has that deep red wine looking color. Something like that, you know, like build in the ritual and see if it's not the ritual that they need for decompressing more than it is the alcohol itself. For sure. I think for me, I mean, I grew up in wine country, so, mm -hmm. and there's also lots of microbreweries there. So having a meal without alcohol or without a special drink uh, is kind of difficult habitually. Yeah. So then I started making, at first I started making kombucha and that was years ago. 
I can never really get it to go right. Now I'm making ginger beer. Nice. And now I'm so lazy because ginger beer, it's finicky too. I'm just doing like ginger tea and I let it sit for three days. So it's a really short fermentation. Huh. Um, and then just like, and it's, I make it super strong. And then I do a soda stream to make it carbonated. And then that's that's my special drink. Dude, I love that. Yeah. And it's like a little sour, like fermented stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in the three days, it gets gets a tinge of the of the sour fermented bit. Um, that is fascinating. Going longer out here because there's so much mold in the air. Mm-hmm. I have a problem keeping everything clean. And <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I probably don't yeah. want to risk throwing some stuff in the tummy that you don't know what it is, right? Yeah. Well, unless what's your what's your one that you want in the kombucha? Baijiu or baijiu? Baijiu. Baijiu. So once I get my hand on some some baiju, I'll try fermenting that in, Dude. in my ginger. Yes, that would be incredible. Anything that can grow along baiju is going to be good for your tummy. Yeah. That's the ultimate uh, color. Yeah. Litmus test. Yes, exactly. You bet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Kate and I, sometimes, like, I'd say pretty pretty often, we'll, we'll do like either a non-alcoholic beer or I don't know if you, have you ever heard of Ghosts, G-O-S-E? No. It's, it's a kind of beer. It's like a sour beer, basically, as far as I can understand. It's just okay. like, I guess, some beers. I don't know what the difference is. I've never made them myself, but some are sourer and some are just like the other one. Um, so when it comes to the ghosts, uh, like they're just normally sour beers, but then this is a non-alcoholic version of it. And it's fascinating because it really, if you just worked out hard or something, it's that same idea. It's that naturally sour stuff really does help replenish your fluids nicely. Because it generates yin, right? Yeah. And if you if you try and find ones that are nicely aromatic, so, oh, so we had never actually talked on this, but hops is like that. Those, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, it's like it looks like little um, little buds. <laughs> yes, yeah. clearly I live in Colorado, but it looks like bud to me. Um, <laughs> it's a. Uh, I think it's actually in the same family as the the cannabis. Is it really? It, uh, that would make sense because it smells kind of terpene or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but hops the the whole kind of the whole point of it is that you know they used it for like india pale ales and stuff and so those are really hoppy but it's kind of bitter and it's really aromatic so this is an interesting point that aromatic things are the way to combat dampness so by putting hops in beer it's less damp so same Uh cloudy liquid but now you've got an aromatic damp transformer we use a lot of them i've always wondered if people would use sharen for it I hope they don't do it too much, though, because it would deplete our stores of Sharan. But it would be a brilliant thing to put into beer. Um, so things like tangerine peel, which I know, um, or citrus peel in general, a lot of beers have like citrus things brewed mm-hmm. with them. Really smart because it's dealing with the dampness ahead of time. Nice. So what are they called? The hazy IPAs? Correct. Are really going to be your, your least damp of the damp beers. That's right. Because if it's aromatic and or right poppy or any of those things, that's combating the dampness as as you're imbibing it, right? Yeah, it's funny. They I think they call it hazy IPA because it's more cloudy, but yeah, it's cloudy with like citrus stuff. Maybe they could do a clear IPA because all IPAs are like crazy hoppy thing, right? Yeah, yeah, which are great. They they really bring out the spice. I don't know if there's a Chinese medicine thing there too, but. Huh. I used to love drinking hoppy beers with Mexican food in California. Oh, man. It's just, yeah. The spice from the Mexican food will just have new levels of high. Really? Like, it feels spicier. Yeah. If you've never tried it before, try it. Uh, huh. Just for fun. Just to burn the face off a little. Yeah. Or at least, you know, I mean, you don't have to go as hot with your Mexican food. And it'll still have a bunch of kick in it. Oh, um, Interesting. Yeah, you can do it with anything. Um, and also then don't do it with things if you don't want that. All right, I got I got an experiment for you. So we mostly use damp transformers. So big shout out to Baidoko. Um, Sharen helps with this too, but Baidoko is incredible. Tangju, incredible um, for rehabilitating taste and smell. Um, so post-COVID people obviously is the biggest category you could think of right off the bat. Um, and it really helps rehabilitate that taste and smell. So if you're talking about like, Something that has an aromatic transformer in it, which should heighten your sensitive sense of taste for everything. 
So I'd be curious. Now, obviously, you're probably not going to put it with like tiramisu or something, but it would be hilarious to try your IPA with a different flavor besides spicy and see if it also enhances that. I'm sure. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I don't, I don't drink that much these days anymore. But next yeah. time I'm, I'm feeling it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just shout back to what you said too yeah. about it being a ritual. Uh, that is for sure a huge bit of of everyone's kind of thing. And I mean, just like the the sound for people, right? Of just like the and then you're like, I'm done with my day. Like I have no more responsibilities. I don't give no fucks. Like it's just it's a thing for the brain to to kind of shut off and. Really I used to is. tell people too with uh, marijuana smoking that, you know, it's not the the smoking, it's the breathing that gets you high because how often do people like slow down and focus on an, an, on an inhale uh, throughout their day? And it's like, you never do it, but then it's habituated, ritualized and with smoking cannabis. So I love that, dude. I, I worked at a restaurant after college, after undergrad between um, there and then heading to New York and then China. But um it was interesting because the guys sometimes I was the line cook for like six months and uh, they would take like smoking breaks and I'd be like, well, that shit sucks. You get a break for just being a smoker. So I would yeah. take smoking breaks and just stretch. So I would just take stretching breaks and I'd go out deep breathe and just like stretch. They were like the best things in the world, man. Yeah. Like what are they going to complain unless they stop smoking? I'm going to keep stretching. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's nuts too. Never thought of that. Yeah, I'm gonna take my smoke break. It's like mm. I'm gonna take my. I want to take a break, break too. <laughs> yeah, just to breathe though, <laughs> and just to walk out of this building and get a change of scenery. So true, dude. Yeah, that ritual no. is really key. Sometimes I find even things like um, carbonated water. Like if you open up a San Pellegrino or something, same yeah. effect, same effect, and then you just got delicious bubbly, high mineral water. Like, heck yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the the bubbles? I think the bubbles are fine unless people actually have what we call, it sounds funny, intestinal wind, chongfeng, or wind in the intestines. Yeah. Are these the gassy people? <laughs> they often are the gassy people. They're, they're the borbrigmi people too. They got the uh, yeah. glu, 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 glu all the time in their tummy. Um, those people don't usually do great on it. But if they're not prone to that bloating gurglies, um, the bubbles are probably, like we would describe that as actually more yang water. So almost like yeah. more activated water. Technically, there is an interesting word we used to we use ganlu shui, which is like sweet dew water, um, and it's or sometimes they'll call it lao shui, which is like labored water or laborious water, and it's where they take the water and they just like have a ladle and they go up and down, like bring the water up and f- let it fall down, like right in the bucket, aerating it, aerating it, and they're supposed to do it like ten thousand times or something, like or by San Pellegrino. Um, <laughs> so there's some formulas that call for using this kind of water because it won't stagnate as much. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. So f- besides the bloaty gas people, actually technically carbonation is really quite wonderful. And on top of that, the mineral water is great. So if you can find good minerals, that's, that just basically makes it easier for your spleen and triple burner to move things around. Ah, nice. Well, Colorado water is high in minerals. I mean, oh, nice. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed that or what your what your water situation is, but yeah, we we started doing Eldorado um, a little while ago, some Eldorado Springs at the home now, and it's just wonderful. It just it even tastes different. You know, it's great. Yeah, the minerals took me a while to get used to, mm. uh, but then once I got used to it, I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, um, yeah, didn't mind it at all. Stone. Mm. yeah that's that's what everyone wants yeah because electrolytes are basic which are minerals right they're basically like um it's kind of, it's a good western medicine trick but it's basically making the stuff easier to move around whereas the chinese medicine way is to try and work on the organs that are doing the moving around of the fluids so when we do ginger in it that's helping our organs move the fluid better but when you put electrolytes in water it's making it easier for your organ to do the job. So one changes the substance and one changes the organ function. Is it almost like having the water post qihua? It's closer to that. Yes, that's correct. An electrolyte is like closer to the qihua like processed water. That's correct. Right. And so there's less work for us to do for, to move it around and process it. Ah, cool. Yeah. So electrolytes are really um they're quite effective for a lot of things. 
But like from our perspective, they're just temporary because the next cup of water, unless that also has electrolytes in it, you're not going to be processing that one very well, right? Right. It's basically, it's a short-term little it's a, thing. Yeah, it's a short-term thing to change the substance instead of to change the organ's function. Right. But could be helpful, especially like when you're in dire straits. Oh, right? yeah. Like, now, a lot of the electrolyte stuff that I see, it's whenever I like put it in my water, I'm like, did I just put a shit ton of sugar in my yes. water? Like, Most of the time, the answer is yes. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on here, guys? Like, that's right. So those electrolytes. And then in my brain, I'm like, do I not know what electrolytes are? Are electrolytes just sugar? <laughs> that's a great point. So I should. That's this is a good point for people too. Um, electrolytes. There's really only three things you need to look for: low sodium, low or no sugar, high potassium. So you always want more potassium than there is sodium. Unfortunately, most of them are high sugar and more potassium than there is, or more sodium than there is potassium. There's actually a cool way that you could make your own mineral electrolytes is beet greens just simmer beet greens forever and make like a crazy broth and we freeze them into cubes and then we just toss the cubes into our, our drinks fuck yes <laughs> that is so easy it's so easy oh. so we'll do like a whole bunch of beet greens which is usually the greens off of uh three beets wash them real good because they're sandy and whatever although you're just gonna you know cook them anyway um you could eat the green at the end sure we eat them all the time too but if you're doing it this way i just recommend people like crock pot them for like a day or two like just cook them down to whatever because what you want to do is cook all the minerals out you don't really want to leave anything left in it and remember minerals don't break down with heat um so the more heat kind of the better you're just extracting more uh right okay they're not gonna like they're not gonna like literally denature you can't denature a mineral right but you will separate it with heat which is why you have it correct so you want to extract okay. it with the heat that's exactly right, right. so then uh, and then for that you do want some sodium it's true the key is you just want more potassium than sodium so for like three beets worth of big beautiful greens um then i usually use about a tablespoon maybe of good healthy salt a little more or less sometimes i toss a couple bay leaves i don't know that's about it and then just simmer that thing for two days toss it into like little ice cube trays and then um, store those in bags once they freeze up. You got uh, you got electrolyte cubes, man. Super easy. Super easy. So healthy. Yeah. And they kind of make things taste like pink lemonade. I was going to ask you. The taste is good? I, the taste is so neutral, but it's like, I think pink lemonade is mostly a mind thing. When it's pink and then you put other things in it, it tastes like pink lemonade. <laughs> got it. Cool. Neat little trick there for those of you who want to. Make your own electrolytes and not just drink sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if they want to do a, just follow those three rules if you want to buy a commercial one. Low to no sugar, more potassium, less sodium. Are there other uh, crops that you, what, that are usually looking for anything high in potassium then? That's correct. And beet greens just happen to be the king. They're so high. They're so much higher than even every other good green. And I love every vegetable in green, but for some reason, beet greens are just skyrocket high. Nice. And it's nice too because, um, I mean, like you said, you can't eat the beet greens and there are even beet greens that are grown specifically for the tops. Mm. Um, you you still have the, the root crop available, so you're like making use of the whole plant. Yeah, exactly. So many people throw them away. It's so sad. I mean, I'd rather throw the beet away than the greens. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically like chard is what it feels like when I eat it. Heck yeah. 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 And that yeah. one is pretty tough. I basically would recommend people never try and eat beet greens raw unless they're super tiny and like tender. Um, but boy, cooked is just delicious. You can cook it in every way. Cook, we cook it like Chinese greens, like with like tofu roux or something like that. We cook it oyster like, sauce. Oyster sauce would be delicious. We do a gratin sometimes. We'll do like kind of like a gratin in the oven with, you know, some rich creamy stuff with it. For those of us laymans, what is a gratin? Oh, it's like a, it's like you mix it with like um, dairy, uh, like cheese, you know, dairy cheese or a non-dairy cheese. We don't mind a little cheese. Um, and then some sort of like creamy sauce. If you want to go non-dairy, you could do coconut milk or you do like a cream. Um, ah. And then you kind of like roast it in that. So it, like it's just delicious. It's kind of like the idea of like creamed spinach but baked. Really nice. Check out Alton Brown's got a good recipe for beet green gratin. G-R-A-T-I-N. Gratin. Gratin. Fancy. Oh yeah. And we and we like dairy. That's 
that's like cheese and like the cream because it's fermented and so it's the jing of the berry that's a good point exactly so uh, it's really good at nourishing yin dairy is so of course there's some people that are allergic to it so that's a slightly different category we could talk about what allergies are at the root anyway from a tcm thing but for most part like we'll just we'll just skip to what dairy is dairy is actually not bad i know a lot of people are like oh chinese medicine says just eat kanji all the time and never eat dairy <laughs> yeah but those people are really dampen their spleens um and dairy is yin it's like a high density yin thing so what you need then is to combine it with something um or just have a really good um spleen spleen function that's correct so certain things do help move things so um as we mentioned are actually in this episode scallion is incredible so green onions chives scallions anything in that family is really good at moving and that's why you can think of like, you know, like green onion or and sour cream kind of thing, that sort of combo or whatever. Um, really good for moving. Also fennel, like fennel bulb is a pretty effective um, mover. So combining that with cheese is a really, um, you know, quality, quality combo because you get the yin. And that, that's what I like to get across to people is we want yin. That's like the whole point of eating is to absorb good yin things. But you need the process like function processing function in order to do that right and most of us nowadays don't have that and back in the days where the kanji was very popular you didn't have enough yin correct so that is exactly right like i guarantee you if you go back to shanghanlun times part of the reason why they loved joe so much back in those days you open you know anybody opens their mouth you'll see a cracky tongue you'll see like a dry desert cracked tongue because they just they were you know close to starvation right um so, yeah, if you're starving, eat as much kanji as you can. <laughs> Adoya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you're damp, you're damp maybe yeah. not so much. Exactly. Yeah. Sweet. All right. That wraps it up for this week's episode on alcohol and all the other tangents that we, that we hit along the way. Hope you guys enjoyed. Cool. Peace out. Good to see you guys. Hear you guys. Sound you guys. Don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe, and share this podcast with all your friends and family.